This episode of The Body Serve is brought to you by Health IQ, an insurance agency that helps health-conscious people like runners, vegans, weightlifters, and, you guessed it, tennis, tennis, players. Pl- tennis players. Tennis players. To get lower rates on life insurance. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on life insurance. Go to healthiq.com bodyserve or mention the promo code bodyserve when speaking to an agent to support the show and see if you qualify. But I don't, I really don't have any regrets. I really don't. I've, I've lived exactly how I've wanted to. I've tried my hardest every single time. I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won. Or, but I really gave it my all. So that for me is enough. It's 2018, y'all. Happy 2018, hoes. Hoes. <laughs> I mean, loyal listeners <laughs> and new listeners. We just started off the podcast with uh, an ad, which, you know, was a little bit more professional than we normally are. And mm-hmm. you go drop hoes right at the top I'm of the just, show. I'm trying to stay on brand for the mm-hmm. body surf. Yeah, so we do have a sponsor for these next few episodes, which is very exciting for us. It's uh, something that we we believe in. We're happy to to advertise for, and uh, we have to thank all of y'all for for kind of get it, helping us get out there. And by that you mean getting us to a thousand followers on Twitter. I know you wanted to thank yes, folks about that. Thank you. I, it has been a while, but I was I was really excited by that milestone. I know that your personal Twitter passed it a long time ago. Um, my my goal for 2017 was to get like 500. <laughs> you do realize that these numbers are very small potatoes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But still, you have to be thankful for what you have, right? Oh, my God. This is season four of The Body Serve. This is our first episode of season four. I have to tell you, I'm really pumped to be here, to be back. I'm going to hold you to this enthusiasm because you've got all these ideas and plans and <laughs> things you want to do. Should oh. we tease one of them? Okay, here's... I, th- I feel like if we say one in particular, then that will hold us to actually doing it. What? What? Uh, doing, like, a scripted episode. That's that's actually something I want to explore. I, I love the form of the podcast. I'm an avid podcast listener. I can give recommendations if anyone wants any. Um, but I think that the, the genre holds a lot of potential. And one thing that I really like is storytelling in a more scripted way, which we haven't done before. And there's so many stories to tell mm-hmm. in tennis. I feel like we could do an entire episode narrating the bump heard around the world, the Sperlea <laughs> bump. Right. And I think that both you and I have uh, enough of a research background to make it work. Mm-hmm. I mean, those master's theses are not sitting on the bookshelf for nothing. <laughs> right now they're I gathering. they're gathering dust. But... The point is, I'm not feeling super intellectually stimulated at my job at the moment. And really, who is? So I think that the podcast is a way for me to sort of exercise that that part of myself. You're really going to sit here and pretend like those were not the exact goddamn words <laughs> I said to you last night? When you were like, you oh know. my god, like work is just so boring. I'm like, well, maybe you should just throw yourself into the podcast. What do they say? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery? It means you're stealing my shit, bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're welcome. Are you flattered? Uh, I'm happy that you're listening to me, which is... <laughs> 
maybe a resolution for you in 2018 that no. you're starting off on the right foot. <laughs> why don't we get right into tennis? Well, part of the reason why we want to explore more with the podcast is because it's it's kind of formulaic what we've been doing so far. Like we went through and looked back at a whole lot of our agendas from the first three seasons. You actually, I I bought the the expandable folder like the accordion folder yeah and you you did it all it was wonderful I, it took hours it was in multiple rooms in our houses in, in our houses <laughs> i mean our our one house which house do you have shacked up with some hope right in our in our capri mansion uh <laughs> it just it took a long time to get all these agendas um, together so the entire compendium of the first three seasons of the body server in one place it was, I got a real kick out of going through the agendas, but like you said, there, we have a formula and it would be nice to, to, to expand, to expand, to not alienate people who like what we do, but also just to play with the format a little bit. Well, part of what interests me about doing that as well is I feel like we've covered some uncovered ground early on mm-hmm. in the podcast, which was very much on brand and setting up what our brand was yes you know we went through if you know if you've listened to the podcast you know i like to talk about a purple patch (laughs) (laughs) we had a purple patch where we went through was it the the body issue sexism yes the body image story we talked about andy murray those um, were back-to-back episodes why they were feminism matters we also had the good fortune to cover serena's return Uh to indian wells in one of our very first episodes yeah so so we were very ambitious out of the gate in their, within the span of a month or two, there were, if we look back on the show, three of our most prominent episodes in our mind's eye. At least the ones the ones that I'm most proud of, because I felt like we were able to, to not be afraid to say what we wanted, yeah. but it was also rigorous. We also painted outside the lines of scores and a rundown of what's going on in tennis, which is mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. And so the more we do this, the more it's like, well, this is what happened, da 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 We try and find different ways of talking about it. And, of course, looking at tennis through a lens that takes account for, you know, issues of race, gender, sexuality, mm. what have you, will always be part of the way we, we talk about tennis. But that doesn't always, those opportunities don't always present themselves. Right. And so this gives us an opportunity to do something that's not just a listener mailbag question you know mm-hmm. episode yeah can well, you can you tell we're putting off starting the actual tennis stuff we have the men first up on this agenda and i'm just like let, let, let's talk about other things for well, now Well, there is a lot of news to talk about because we've been on a hiatus for about three weeks maybe not quite three weeks but you know christmas new year's tennis took a, a little break but the news kept coming all over the holidays serena announced uh, when was it? Christmas week that she was planning on playing an exhibition in Abu Dhabi. Girl, we said we we're going to talk about the ATP first. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to paint a picture here. The news kept leaking from from all yeah, corners. A lot of shit was happening. This is officially we haven't said this or or season preview. So we're doing the men and the woman previewing both seasons, and then going to talk a little bit about stuff that we want mm, to talk about. Right. I think you're you're railing against me here. I tried to put some. Structure. Structure with the agenda because what you did was kind of a, like a hodgepodge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'll let you take the reins right now. We'll start with the men. 
really the only thing to talk about men's tennis right now is the what do you call it the 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 nursing home nature mm-hmm. of things i would say the lack of men's tennis is the story of men's tennis we were promised the return of all these top players who were absent for most of the second half of 2017 and right off the bat we're getting withdrawals retirements uh folks saying they're going to be gone to like march kanishikori <laughs> yeah it's uh the off season did not bring good news for a lot of fans of these players. It appears that we're stuck very much where we were at the end of October, November for a lot of these players. Andy Murray has been out for, what, six, seven months now. Same for Djokovic. These injuries are not healing as quickly as they'd like. Let's start with Djokovic because the Murray news is too depressing for me to handle at the moment. Djokovic pulled out of Doha. The elbow is still hurting. He instead chose to play exhibitions in Melbourne in advance of the Australian Open. He's going to play the tiebreak tennis, which Rafa is also playing. That's January 10th, so it gives him a little bit longer to rest. But he still has not decided if he's going to play the Australian Open. Stan has also committed to the tiebreak tennis, but again, I think there's, there's some question about whether both of them are ready to play. Andy Murray issued this heartbreaking, really, message on Facebook, Instagram, whichever mm. it was. It may have been both. It was both, yeah. With a picture of him as a wee lad. It was so cute. Oh, my God. It broke my heart. Explaining why he was so excited to come back and why he was, by the same token, so devastated not to be able to play in Brisbane. And then, who knows, for the Australian Open. Right. So he did play in Abu Dhabi the exhibition against Kevin Anderson and lost to Kevin Anderson. He, I mean, basically, the point of the message is that the hip is not okay. It's not healing how he had hoped. Surgery is an option, but the prognosis is not, it basically is not positive enough for him to consider surgery at this very moment. So he still hasn't officially pulled out of the Australian Open, but I can't see him playing. And the rumors are swirling. British journalists have been talking about it online that it's a labrum tear. Are you sure it's not a labrum? I I had no idea how to say that word or what it was. So I did my due diligence and did some research. So you did look it up? I did. I, I read on the Mayo Clinic website what what a labrum tear is, basically what the options are. Bad Toss on Twitter wrote a nice thread for those of us who don't know what the options are because her husband went through the same thing. Basically, the prognosis is not good. You can repair a tear surgically or you can replace a labrum. And both options, uh, there's some doubt on whether Andy can, or anyone can kind of return to full strength, especially a professional athlete. So it was... Overall, a devastating message from Andy. I hope that it's not as bad as we all think it is, and he can he can recover fully. But I'm I mean I'm not ready to see him go, I, and I don't want to see Murray return as like a shadow of himself. I think we're officially in the territory where we absolutely do not know what these folks will look like when they do come back, and part of this is because. 
these players put their bodies through so, so much. With Mari in particular, you look back to that fall of, what is it, 2016? Right. Where from Wimbledon onward to the end of the season, he pretty much won everything. And the type of game that he has, where he grinds and grinds and grinds, it's not conducive to uh, being able to overcome an injury like a hip injury very easily. Right. And, I mean, you have a lot of former professional players talking about this openly now, more openly, because some of the top players are suffering from injuries, uh, particularly wrist, elbow, and hip, right? Chris Everett, Pam Shriver, we're talking about why is this happening? And so they're kind of bandying about theories. And a lot of things that keep coming up is court speed. Strings. Very, well, strings, the, uh, the hybrid strings. The poly, the like the synthetic strings, right? Court speeds are much slower than they used to be, and open stance, I think, has a lot to do with it. And someone like Andy Murray, who I mean, who in the top ten uses their legs more than Andy Murray in his strokes? You can see the strain. You can literally see the strain on his hip joints and legs as he plays, right? I just think it from from what we're hearing from coaches and players, it's more and more difficult to hit through courts these days because of the speed. It's like if you have two boxers and you have them go box each other to smithereens for 20 rounds, their their faces are going to be busted like for the <laughs> next three weeks. You know what I mean? Like, right. The stuff that they put their bodies through with, you mentioned the, the speed of the courts, the, the way that that affects their bodies is previously... Where when courts were were faster, when when they were more differentiated, you could have points that ended much more quickly. Yes. Right. And so the the long physical rallies weren't as prevalent to take that mm-hmm. physical toll on the body. Whereas now, when even on clay, for example, uh, and grass, Wimbledon has been playing slower and slower. You have the courts playing pretty much the same. And the strings allowing players to not miss nearly as much as they did previously. So all that is a perfect storm. And then you factor in the talent of these guys to have 30, 40 shot rallies Mm -hmm. over an hour long set. Which is to say it's not overstated that the things that these tennis players are being asked to give of their body to get to the top of the game and stay there in this day and age, in this era, with all those considerations, strings, court, open stance, as you said, all these other factors, it's not its not normal. And this is why we're seeing all these injuries. A lot of people are, are willing to provide the factors and the reasons for these recurring injuries, but... Are the tennis powers that be going to do about it? Do anything about it? Is the ATP concerned? If Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal fall off completely, will that wake them up? Because, I mean, they're missing huge stars last year, right? In Djokovic, Murray, Wawrinka. But their two biggest moneymakers were filling in. When that's no longer possible, will they start to make changes? What are the changes that you want to see them make? I think varying court speed is is the number one change. 
At the end of the 90s, when men's tennis got to be incredibly boring, they did do that. They slowed down courts. There was a, a huge change across tennis, right? So they are willing to make these changes. When At what point will they be forced to? Because clearly the ATP has shown they're not... They're not invested in their players' well-being and health unless it costs them money. That's, I mean, that's just my opinion. But I think that's been demonstrated. The schedule has to play a part as well. I agree. Because what we're seeing from from folks, Federer, as he's gotten older, he decided last year to skip the clay season, which makes perfect sense for him. Uh, it's something we've seen in the past before. Agassi did it in the, the back end of his career. Didn't play on clay nearly as much as he, he had in the past. But why is it that these players have to make those decisions in the first place? You know, if mm-hmm. um, there, I feel like there has to be like a, a realignment of points and money as well in tennis to make, for example, folks are probably not going to want to hear this, you as well, but like... If you're making those four tournaments the biggest prizes, mm-hmm. they're over two weeks, five set matches, you're winning three point something million dollars. Don't overlook the money as well. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, the, there, there's no reason why all the players wouldn't pinpoint those four tournaments as the be all end all. And I think that when you have those four as the pinnacle well both tours have to strike a balance between the grand slams which are their own domain and then the tour level events right atp has nine mandatory events for top players plus four majors so there's 13 already in the books and if you're a top player how many more than 13 are you really playing maybe you know maybe five more which is why i'm saying it's too top heavy those are eight weeks of the year that's already accounted for the week prior, the week after, as well. Mm-hmm. So that's oh, what, si- that's 16 weeks of the year that's already gone mm-hmm. because of the slams. And then you're outsourcing your talent, essentially, to the ITF and these Grand Slams for those 16 weeks. Yes. And then what happens to your tour? What happens to building the game in other areas of, of the globe? Are you then reliant on these tournament directors paying huge appearance fees to get the top players to go there? It just doesn't mm-hmm. seem that there's any... It seems like the, the tours, both the ATP and the WTA, have allowed the ITF too much power in tennis. Hmm. I don't know if I agree. I Maybe the solution is to reduce the number of Masters events. Well, we already talked about getting rid of Paris. <laughs> Honestly, the fall Masters events to me are a wash. I don't think they they get real quality. I mean, it does provide lower-ranked players a chance to shine because a lot of times the draws are depleted, but I don't think that they accomplish what the Masters series is intended to do. What if we have a situation where we say, fine, the tennis season is January to the end of September or mid-September? Well, mid-September with the U.S. Open, and then you go play the tour finals right afterward. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So by the end of September, you're done. All the top players have three months off. And then we have a situation like we do in golf where there are all these fall events, but the top players don't play them. Mm. It's for other players to get some experience, win some money, get some points, uh, 
and have that be kind of a like a stepping stone like okay. another tier before you get to the big boy level because we're already seeing so many of tennis players struggle to make it outside of the top 100 right and so we could have a dedicated time of year where those players can make some coin and each year it can be like a Q school where you get you get graduated to maybe direct entry into a masters or something Okay. I mean, That's I'm just I'm just yeah. speaking off the cuff yeah. here, but then that th- that gives all the top players a finite time where they know they're going to be playing. Forget mm-hmm. about Davis Cup. In the current structure that it is, where it's tacked on for the finals after the World Tour final, like all that stuff is complete nonsense. It's crazy in this day and age where players are suffering so badly with injuries. Right. To have that going on that late in the season. Of course, I, if you're France or Belgium. What do you have, like a week or so off? <laughs> you you go on vacation, take all your Instagram thought photos, and then you do a huge training block during December. So your body really has no time to recover because you need to get your body into fighting shape for the Australian summer. It's, it's silly. I mean, you should have October, November to rest, right? Staying on this depressing subject, Nishikori pulled out of the Australian Open today he released a statement a few days ago pulling out of, uh, what was it, Sydney. And it looked like he probably wouldn't play the Australian Open. His wrist is getting better, but he did acknowledge that it could be February or even March uh, that he could... That he'd be ready to play again. Right. He said specifically he's, his body's not ready for best of five tennis. And at this rate, if I'm Federer, I'm thinking, who gonna check me, boo? <laughs> Excellent. Excellent reference to Sheree, the MVP of Real Housewives of Atlanta, in my opinion. Again, Raonic is playing Brisbane. Last year, I mean, I didn't realize all of the injuries he accumulated last year. He tore his hamstring, he had a wrist surgery, and he had a calf problem. I, Between Raonic and Nishikori, it feels like they have been out of the game for so long. Like, I... I I can barely even remember them on a tennis court, right? Well, we, we were gifted with Shapovalov, <laughs> and we'll get to that later mm-hmm. on, uh, last year. So Raonic's absence, particularly for us being in Canada, wasn't felt as it may have in previous mm-hmm. years. And it certainly contributed to the hype surrounding Dennis the Menace. Is, is that Saint-Denis? what we landed on? Saint-Denis. Saint- because Raonic was out, and Dennis was, while not as accomplished as Milos, uh, a kind of a more exciting, charismatic player, right? But getting back to Federer, is he thinking, wow, like, I, I have a real chance, if not a walk to this Australian Open title. N- in Nadal's knees, we don't know where he's at. He has concerns swirling around him. So who are Federer's biggest biggest barriers here we, we'll get to that on our australian open preview okay episode. okay we're jumping the gun a bit but, but you brought it I, up. yeah but do remember that federer was expected to sail to the u.s open title as well this is before true. that event i mean sam query could win the australian open right anything could happen what is wrong with you um why is that i'm the not first saying that name? i that i hope that happens but why but is that it's... the first name to come out of your mouth <laughs> why not diego schwartzman uh, sure. 
Okay. Grigor Dimitrov. I feel like you're trying to start momentum. some shit. You're trying to rile people so early in the new year by pulling that name out of the hat. <laughs> there are a couple of things to look out for on the men's side in 2018. And I think chief among these is we are primed to have a first-time slam winner. Do you think so? I do. I think it could be any number of a small number of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually agree. Yeah, uh, I was just trying to, uh, you know, create conversation. Be some kind of asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I think that Grigor Dimitrov is in pole position. I think he's the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. David Goffin? Less obvious. But a contender, a real contender, People I think. keep saying that. I just don't know if he has the game. Okay. Joe Wilfried Songa? You need to get that. You need to stop with that. <laughs> Remember, he did won. He won four titles last you, year. You need to stop with which that. people like to forget. What about Gael Monfils? We don't forget because you mention it Monfils. very, very often. <laughs> You're welcome, Dorian. Uh, Monfils is back. We'll get. We'll get to him in a little bit. Okay. Well, the point is, we could. Why not have like a? What do you call it? A Thomas Johansson type situation. Mm, he, he won no, the Australian. Well, I know, but I'm I know saying, who he is. It's, it, yeah. Something like that could happen. It could. In 2018. The other big question for 2018 on the men's side is, will Fedal hold up? Like, it seems that we're, the ATP is going to need them again this year. And Federer seems to be totally fine. He's out here posing with quokas. What do you call them? Qu- I don't know. That, That's what it's yeah, spelled, though, that right? That sounds right to me. Okay. He's taking selfies with all these Australian... Rodents and marsupials. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rafa is in Brisbane, Melbourne. Rafa's in Melbourne now. He just posted a picture. Melbourne. Yeah, he Mm -hmm. he posted a picture in social media saying, on my way to Melbourne. And he's pretty much like, look back at it. (laughs) In his jeans. (laughs) It's really like a Serena Williams Instagram photo. It was like, Rafa, uh, come on. You know for sure what you're doing with that famous ass right now. Uh, but folks are out here saying that, well, the the offseason wasn't enough for Rafa as well and that he's injured, blah, blah, blah. And it's not so much that Rafa's injured. Rafa just needed a longer time to recuperate. Mm-hmm. Like, Rafa played the hell out of that season, like the full extent of it. Right. And toward the back end, he started to have knee niggles, which need some time to heal. Mm-hmm. And now you're back on a hard court, grinding... In the heat. I mean, the heat doesn't bother him, but it would be nice if Clay was in January. There's no point to him showing up for Mabadala because it's an exhibition one. And there's no need to play if you're not fully fit at the start of the season. So I'm hoping, from a selfish perspective, that we don't have to lump Rafa into that same category as the injury-ridden stars of the ATP. And he just needs... A little bit more time. He is taking like the twenty-four hour flight to Australia. That has to be encouraging, right? He is he is going. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, it seems like the answer to that question of will Fadal hold up? They might have to hold up <laughs> for the survival of the ATP. Right. The answer is kind of no, Jose. Oh, you're you're doing Spanish now. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. We'll end the men with or players that were looking to have a breakout season as well as 
or comeback player nominee. Okay. Players that we think... Don't look at mine. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I didn't know it was like a surprise. Yeah, but it just adds to the intrigue over the air if we don't know what the okay. other one is going to say. So, who is your player that you're looking to break out? Michael Moe. Is that how it's pronounced? I think so. Okay. I keep wanting to say both M's, but I think mm-hmm. that's ignorant. Michael Moe is an American player. He actually is... One parent is from Ireland and one is Nigerian but he represents America the United States of America not the whole two continents and he's not your pick for any thirst reasons no i mean he's good looking of course mm-hmm. some not you you don't need to replace songa no replace <laughs> songa is pantheon hall of fame no i mean he released some thirst trapping instagram videos of him hitting forehands he's cute he's good looking but I, I'm looking for an American non-Trump supporter. An American, if you're reading the subtext here, American who you to can break get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I don't know what you mean. <laughs> the point is, this week in Brisbane, he defeated Delbonis and Misha Zverev. He reached his first quarterfinal in an ATP tournament, and you know what? I'm looking through the rankings. In the ATP side, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know who to pick. So why so not scroll, pick him? You scrolled all the way down to the bottom. Oh my god! <laughs> no, because he's gotten some good press this week, and no, he's playing well. I'm being a deliberately mm-hmm. an asshole. So I'm I'm picking a dark horse this time. I'm not picking the number twenty player in the world. I'm picking someone who could could make up some serious rankings ground this year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick the same person I picked last year. Who? Last year I picked Dimitrov and Young Chung. I'm uh-huh. going with Chung again. That's a good pick. Who won the next-gen finals mm-hmm. at the end of last year. And he seems to be ready to bust out right. in a big way. Did you hear about the next-gen diaries? No, what is that? Are they going to be doing these... I guess they're like little videos. To, uh, like, is this like frat pad? Like... M- Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not going to explain to our parents or grandparents what that means. So I'm going to move on. They're do- <laughs> No, they're doing these little video things, pivoting to video. Um, I don't know about their lives, I guess. They're the members of the next gen are very defensive of the next gen. Have you seen that lately? It might Lord, have been Mo, Lord. who was like, spare, just keep we're it. really good. Honestly, keep it. I was it. watching all these next-gen players, and yo, they are legit. Da, 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 da. I'm like, legit. That's in- cool. Like, that's cool, but the the need to identify as hashtag next-gen is, like, is weird to me. It's kind of it lame. Yeah. Because it implies that you're going to get there, which having self-belief is great and all, but like and when you're 17, 18, 19, it's a bit... If we're, if we're looking at the odds here, a lot of y'all will not get there, but sadly. It's, it's true. It, it's just what happens. Comeback player. Don't uh, look at my paper oh, again. Um, mine is Leighton Hewitt, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm just saying that because it's ridiculous. I actually don't think it's ridiculous. I think it's, at what is his age, 36? He could have a second career in doubles. People have been saying, well, it's not the same as a woman's tour. You can't think of him like Martina Hingis mm. because it's not as easy on the, well, whatever. Leighton was a world-class tennis player. 
playing one half of the court something he could feasibly do if okay. he wants to put the time in. I mean, he is, he's playing on his second hip. It's cool that he's out here supporting his friend Sam Groth, who is retired from singles and is only playing doubles now. Is I that remember, the case? I think that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't he still playing doubles? I don't know. Oh, anyway. If it's misinformation, I apologize to our listeners. But I will remind you that Andy Roddick wasn't allowed to come back because he didn't keep up with his drug no. testing. So I sure hope that no, Layton... No, he has who it, been, yeah. He did? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Do you think that they just allowed that to slide? Well, I don't know. There was some you know, Aussie mafia like business Australia, going on. Like Australia, yeah, come back, Rusty. <laughs> My comeback player, I have two... One is currently ranked number 41, Gael Mofis. I think he mm. is the candidate, like I said before, for somebody to have a bust out, take advantage of a depleted men's situation from the start. He could be the, I don't say journeyman, but somebody who's underachieved throughout the course of his career. He's in his 30s now to have a twilight moment. Mm-hmm. I think I think he will have a big year. And also, my other comeback is Vashik Pospisil. Yes. I only say that because I really do hope it into reality mm-hmm. rather than any tangible evidence of it being being true. Do you remember... Because hanging out with Jeannie Bouchard and taking thought pictures on the beach is not going to do it. That's not helping your game, girl. Like, you need to associate <laughs> better. But he is doing the work. He is. He is. I mean, he's doing the promo pics with Jeannie, and I don't really wish that upon anyone. We- you don't need to get dark-sided about it, okay? <laughs> but I, I really do. <laughs> Look, you have plenty of opportunity this year with all the points she has to defend and all the plummeting that's facing her to have that dark-sided moment, okay? Let's not you know jump what? the gun. Do you know what? I'm already... I'm pre-pressed. You're Is pre-pressed. that a thing? I'm pressed in advance. In, <laughs> in advance. <laughs> I'm pressed in advance because I know that... Even if she's out of the top 200, Jeannie will get wild cards for no reason. Save for what she looks like. I'm just saying that. That's our preview of the men. Mm -hmm. Injuries and injuries and Fidel and injuries (laughs) and Thirst and my Frenchie, your Frenchie, Mofis, Songa, (laughs) and some next-gen stuff. (laughs) And more injuries. Yes. And career-ending surgeries. Stop that. But Before we get into the women's preview for 2018, let's let's talk about our sponsor for the episode just a little bit. Let's. You know, we are at the age where we are starting to think about life insurance. Like, in our 20s, I was like, mm, death and your mortality is not something mm-hmm. you think about. But now that we're in our 30s, this is, uh, this is timely. It may not be something you want to think about, but it's extremely important. The advantage of Health IQ is that it can save customers who are physically active or health conscious, which I think is a lot of our listeners, can save you up to 33% on life insurance premiums. Because based on medical science, physically active people have a much lower risk of heart disease, cancer, and diabetes than people who are not active. Much like saving money on your car insurance mm-hmm. for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. And so these savings are exclusive to Health IQ, and you must qualify to get the special rate. And to see if you qualify, 
we want you to visit healthiq.com slash bodyserve. Not the bodyserve. No the. No the. It's healthiq.com slash bodyserve to see if you qualify and get yourself that special rate for living your best life. Okay, so you get to have your Serena portion of the podcast now. I feel that we buried the lead. Okay, well, or save the best for last? <laughs> well, it's not last, so don't anyone get up. You spent the last three months talking about there's no way Serena's coming back for Australia, no way she's coming back for Australia. In the dead of winter, we get notification that she's going to be playing an exhibition against Ostapenko in Mubadala. In Abu Dhabi. Yes. Yeah. Which is traditionally a men's exhibition. Well, this is another thing to keep an eye on. This is one of a growing trend of instances where women have been brought in to salvage the men's shit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Right. What do you think organizers were a little concerned that they didn't have the requisite star power this year in Abu Dhabi? I mean, they didn't have the level they normally do. How much do you think Serena got paid for that? A whole shitload. To leave her Florida warmth. Right. To fly across the world to go play Ostapenko. It was a lot of dinero. (laughs) I think either way, even if the top players had been there, they probably would have welcomed Serena because she's going to be a huge draw to the tournament either way. I I was personally very surprised that she chose to come out and play an exhibition even earlier than the Australian Open, like three weeks before. I think it's still still up in the air if she's going to make it to Australia. I think I got up at 8 a.m. and watched it like a dutiful fan, and I was impressed. I was happy. Clearly, she's not she's not at her fighting best, but she gave a good performance. She started to, the you know, the first set was dodgy. She wasn't really moving to balls. The second set, she played well. She started moving her feet, making her shots, making Ostapenko run, and I was very encouraged by that. There was uh, kind of like the super tiebreak. There wasn't a third set. Ostapenko won the tiebreak and won the match. But I would say these were a few practice sets that she got paid a lot of money for. And she didn't embarrass herself. I was encouraged. I mean, it was it's great to see her, obviously. I was encouraged that she was willing to do these, what I call practice sets, in front of a lot of people. And I don't know. I mean, if she's ready for Australia, great. If she's not, that's fine with me. I think she she knows her body more than anyone, so I will welcome her back when she wants to come back. Do you want it to be for Australia for the Australian Open though? Uh, I don't know. I want it to be for Australia if she believes she's ready. If she thinks she can really contend for the title, then yes, of course. But if I don't think that at this age and at this stage of her career and with the expectations that surround her, I don't think that she's going to play if it's just going to be like getting into shape and playing a few rounds. I, I really don't think she'll do it. What do we? So outside of Serena's return, which is a huge talking point for women's tennis in 2018, what else are we looking forward to? Or what do we have to look forward to mm-hmm. on the women's side? Well... You all can judge whether or not you're looking forward to this, but I think the number one ranking is is going to be going round and round again. Halep has secured it for the time being uh, with her wins this week, but 
Wozniacki and Mugurutha are still within fighting distance. Pliskova could get it back. I mean, a, a Williams sister could get it back. <laughs> really, anything is possible at this stage in the season. And with the uncertainty going on at the top of the WTA. Wozniacki is going to be a top seed, a top two seed for the first time in six years mm-hmm. at the Australian yep. Open. It's been, a, I mean, she was at number one for a long time, for more than a year, but it has been a while. And I feel, personally, I feel that she put in a better year last year than she ever has. I know she didn't reach any Grand Slam finals. She's been to U.S. Open finals twice in her career. But I think, on the whole, the consistency and the level that she was playing was better than I've seen. So, I, she's a contender. I mean, I think... Sure, she can win a major. A lot of people can win a major at this time. You have written here that the women's tour will continue to fluctuate until a dominant player asserts herself. And then in parentheses, you have, Jonathan might see this from a different perspective. (laughs) Explain yourself. Okay. I want to tread lightly because I, I genuinely like the product that the WTA puts out. However, I would like... A f- one or a few dominant players to to assert themselves. Of course, I want that to be Serena and Venus, but I the parody can be exciting. But I also want to see like greatness sustained. Do you know what I mean? I I do know what you mean. But what I do want to challenge you with in twenty eighteen mm-hmm. is. You need to find your place in tennis outside of Rafa, Serena, and that half a closet that you reserved for Venus after last year. <laughs> That's really unfair. It's not unfair. Like you've but said look what me, I picked for my best matches of 2017. Sure, they but were you both struggle. Venus. You struggle with. Inth- That's exactly what I'm saying. Serena wasn't there. <laughs> oh, okay. My point is, you struggle with your enthusiasm level for. A lot of these other women on tour, as far as being a fan of them. Like, I do. You love I tennis, do. you'll watch tennis. That's true. But like, this is not sustainable for being a tennis fan moving forward in the next five years. You're right. You're going to have to find a new a niche for yourself that still includes the Williamses and Rafa at the back end of their careers, let's face mm. it. Yeah. But that also sets you up for, hopefully, the prolonging of this podcast. <laughs> because, like, what happens if they all retire after right, this year? Right. Like, am I going to have to find a new co-host? I'm trying to get behind Madison Keys. I'm a big fan. She didn't do great in her first major final, but I have hope that she'll reach more and win some. Sloan Stevens. I'm willing to be a fan. It's really the Sloan Rangers that I have a problem with. Let's skip by that real fast. No, let's go right back to that <laughs> real quick. No. it. I'll, the only thing I'm going to say... Is the willingness to to just dash away Venus in favor of Sloan is what I don't like. And that's it. Mm. And is there anybody in particular you want to talk about? No. Okay. Nope. I really do feel slash fear that this will be Wozniacki's year. Mm. <laughs> fear. <laughs> um, is she not super exciting for you? No. I mean, her game is, is just, to me, not... Not that interesting. Not that inventive. But I think the writing's on the wall. I think it's it's set up nicely for her to... 
if not carry on like she did last year, but have, but also go a step further and cement her run at number one again and mm. maybe finally win a slam. Right. The thing that holds me back is that if Muguruza or Serena or Venus are feeling themselves, they can hit through her. If someone, even Ostapenko, if she goes on a tear, she's going to hit through Wozniacki. Yeah, I feel like we're, we've seen Wozniacki make adjustments in her game. Okay. I, yeah, you're right. I agree. And it's a disservice to her at this point and uh, a discredit to the work that she's done to get herself back to this position to rehash those old narratives. Okay. Okay. And we saw Wozniacki beat Venus in the Singapore final, which reversed yes. a, an entirely comprehensive losing streak to Venus. Right. And so let's give her that benefit of the doubt going forward. Okay. I think she is, she is the in pole position, the horse to watch, the one to bet on at, at this stage. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying she cannot do it. I'm saying I'm waiting for her to do it at a major. Okay. That's it. That's it. Let's start with comeback player of the year on the WTA because there are literally no short of, shortage of candidates. <laughs> yes. Stop looking at my list again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, Sharapova? No, thank you. Moving on. Irani? Um, Don't be shocked by it. Really? I mean, we're talking about coming back from 130-something now to I top know. 20 again. I mean, performance-enhancing drugs can do a lot for you. So I believe in her. So, uh, Barilla Pasta? <laughs> <laughs> oh, or is it Barilla? Barilla. Barilla. Okay. In, in Italian, you pronounce the yells. Oh, okay. Uh, she's a, a candidate. There's Petra Kvitova, who has come back, but is still mm. uh, languishing in the rankings. And we have Serena at 22. Mm. We have Petkovic, who I really hope can make a comeback. Yeah. She's outside the top 100 right now. Lost her opening match of the season. The two people that I'm going to put forward as comeback players of the year... And one we've seen it kind of in practice already is Belinda Bencic. Because while there was yeah. an off-season, there wasn't an off-season because she was winning all these tournaments. And she's already back inside the top 75. And the other person that I'm going to put forward as comeback player of the year is Angelique Kerber. Mm. I think, and I've maintained for a while, that she's too good a player to have had the results that she did beating the players that she did to get those results to have it just all go away afterward. And to an extent, it's not just that I believe that, but also I'm pulling for her as well. Because I feel like, uh, in particular, Williams fans have been really fucking rude and nasty to her, <laughs> to be frank. And uh, Kerber is as nice a person as you can find on either tour. And uh, I, I think that counts for a whole lot in my book. Okay. My comeback players are, I would say, more wishful thinking. Victoria Azarenka. This, this custody thing has gotten uglier and uglier. Now her baby father has friends coming for her on social media. Have you seen this? No. Like his bros talking shit about Vika. 
which, you know, obviously we don't know what's going on, but like this is somebody's mother. Like this is your friend's child, that child's mother. And you're talking trash about her for millions of people to see. It's just a bad, bad look. I really hope to see Vika back on a tennis court soon. She has made many comebacks in her career, so I don't think physically there's a lot preventing her. But I, I want to see her back. I want to see her play Serena again. Okay, and who else? Marion Batali. Oh, yes, girl. <laughs> yeah. That Which, is a big news bearing I mean, the lead. I, how did, we didn't even have this on the agenda. I, see, there's so much shit that happened in the last three weeks. Bartoli wants to come back. Um, I mean, the thing is, I have no idea what she's going to look like, how she's going to play when she comes back. She is a Wimbledon champion, yes. But she was never really a consistent top player, right? She was a, she's top, been she was top a consistent 10. top 20 player in her career. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not like top, top, right? Okay. So I'm curious to see what she achieves when she comes back, where her ranking is, what, you know, what sort of, what level she gets to. Um, Can I, I have the microphone for a oh, second? Oh, sure, sure. I was not a huge Bartoli fan when she was an active player. The best thing that she did was to lose to Venus in the Wimbledon final. <laughs> like, I appreciated that wholeheartedly. No, the best thing she did was to beat Justine Enna. Okay. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I've become a much bigger fan of her in retirement. I have enjoyed her commentary. I've always kind of enjoyed, as maddening as they can be to watch as a fan, her various tics Mm -hmm. And idiosyncrasies on the tennis court. But you, you are know, a Mary Pierce fan after all. <laughs> <laughs> so you know idiosyncrasies. Mary Pierce and her ponytail. Oh my well, god. It's like art in motion. <laughs> it's a one person play. It's Rafa's water bottles pre Rafa. Rafa could only hope. <laughs> <laughs> and so now that we have Marianne coming back, you know, and the listeners should know by now that one of my biggest pet peeves as a fan of sport is folks telling people when they should retire yes when they come out of retirement that if you don't get to this point then why are you here it's mm. useless it's pointless i've seen so many people say oh well why is she coming back she's never going to get back to so and so blah 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 i'm here to tell you that marion bartoli is here for her own goddamn reasons they're not she's not mm -hmm. here coming back for your reasons and your expectations She's here to come back and play tennis. As for why she's doing it, only she can know. And that's her prerogative. I'm here to watch it and enjoy it. If it means that she doesn't break the top top 100 and she has literally no success and ends up retiring again before the end of the year, that is not a failure. Mm -hmm. Like I am not about to look at her in this reiteration of her career through the lens of success and failure. Because only she can determine what that is. And you know what? Good for her. Because some of y'all who are saying that she should not come back are the same folks who were out here in these Twitter streets mocking her endlessly for her appearance when yeah. she was going through some things. And yeah. that's something we talked about as well on this podcast. So you know what? As long as she's healthy and happy and enjoying herself and getting out of it what she wants... I am all here for it, unless she doesn't beat Venus. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and and while tennis is not a 
pure meritocracy, generally you're only going to be successful if you win, right? Like there may be some wild cards here and there, but Veras Vonareva, who is a two-time major finalist, is out here playing ITFs mm-hmm. for like no money. You know, so people who are willing to work for it will will struggle in the minor leagues of tennis. So if Marion comes back and is not successful, it's not like things will be given to her. In tennis, you really have to earn I mean, shit. She probably will get some wild cards. Yeah. And I will say that it's not like she, she would have the earned money, that though. as a Grand Slam champion. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget Patty Schneider. Mm-hmm. And what we are seeing here is... And I, I wholeheartedly believe that the Williams sisters have a great deal to do with it. But also, we've seen what Kimiko Date did mm-hmm. in her career in her 40s. But I think the Williams sisters changed the way tennis professionals view the longevity of their careers. When I first started watching tennis, once a player got to 27, 28, it was like, oh my god. Like, this could be the final year. Right. Like, this is the twilight. Yeah. And so now we're at a place where we can look at Yulia Gerges at 29 and say, wow, she could be the breakout player on the Mm -hmm. WTA. And I totally believe Serena, and especially Venus, changed this. Serena with the way she did so many different things in the early part of her career when she was at the top. That was totally unheard of. And then Venus at the back end of her career, coming back from injury and showing in no small part to to her her own natural talent and also to incredible hard work, Mm -hmm. right? Showing that at 35, 36, if things come together, you can have the success. That you can, at varying points in your career, take time off, do different things, come back, have a kid, come back again. (laughs) You know, and tennis is still there. And one of the reasons why I think this is uh, like a a huge opportunity for so many tennis players now, less so with the men because there's only so much you can do if you have a degenerative degenerative injury that just won't let you come back, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what we're fearing with some of the men. Yeah. But somebody like Sloane Stevens... She goes and wins the biggest tournament of her career, wins three point something million dollars, and can be like, you know what? I'm going to do something else right now. I'm going to take some time <laughs> off. I can come back if she wants to. And like, she could take two years off and come back. She doesn't have to worry about money. Mm. Like, the, the huge sums of money involved in top level tennis right now, if you have that kind of success earlier on, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff, your retirement and having to play. Like every single tournament till I'm 27 and get burnt out because you need right. to make sure that you're right. set for the end of your career. You can make that money and then like reassess. Sloan is playing Sydney. I'm not saying that Sloan is taking time off if she's injured. She was injured. Well, and she was in Toronto watching her man win the MLS okay. Cup or whatever they yes, call it. Yes, I'm just saying if she so wanted, she could have been like, okay, I'm going to take six months off to make sure I come back like super great. Right. Or like... I just don't really feel like playing tennis right now. I'm going to do some other things. And Madison didn't play for four months. Yeah, but this is, this is I think, that the money has something to do with it. Right. As well as the influence of the Williams yeah. sisters. That's all I'm saying. Breakout player on the WTA. Shall I go first? Yes. 
My picks for your categories are an all-Belarusian team. Azarenka for comeback, breakouts, Sasnovich, and Sabalenka. Okay. It's carrying over from last year from Fed Cup Final because I was so impressed, and the world of tennis was so impressed by how Arena Sabalenka and Alexandra Sasnovich just took it to the American team. I mean, they were, on paper, totally outmatched, but they played their hearts out. I mean, Sasnovich this, just this week defeated Mladenovic for her 13th straight loss and Kontovite, and she's still in the draw in Brisbane. Uh, Sabalenka was a finalist to Sharapova in Tianjin, and uh, she won a match in Fed Cup versus Sloan, as I think as did Sasnovich. So, I mean, who, I just... Who didn't beat Sloan <laughs> wow. after the US Open? Wow, you're really trying these people. So... <laughs> I'm looking for those two to break out in a big way just because I admire their attitude so much. And just going to slide this in. I think Kanta is going to come back stronger. She's going to have a good Australian season. And I see her getting to a major final this year. Okay. You know I like That's Joe. Mine. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be upset yep. by that. My heart wants to pick Barty. Mm-hmm. Like she's up in the rankings not having had a huge big tournament result. And okay. so by breakout it would be like say making a semis or a final yeah. of a slam. I'm not I'm I'm not gonna put that on her just just yet. Okay. I think other candidates, I picked Osaka last year. I'm not gonna do that this year, even though she has Sasha Bain in her camp this mm-hmm. time around, which I imagine can only bode well for her. Aforementioned Yulia Gerges. The two I'm gonna men- I'm gonna go with are Taylor Townsend and Krunich. Those are the two players mm. I'm gonna go with as breakout candidates on the WTA. I like it. You do? I do. Oh. Krunich, I mean, when people watch Krunich, they're excited. And our friend Frith from Australia, who's from Brisbane and has been on site there, said that people in the crowd were just super pumped watching Krunich. Thought she had a nifty game, was exciting. She took out, well, I mean, she beat Muguruza, who had to retire with cramps. But you remember when she beat Azarenka at the US Open a few years ago? Like, this girl has talent, and she has personality. Sorry, woman, I should say. We're going to finish up with a few tennis etc. before ending with a few things that we want to talk about. First off, so many coaching changes between the end of the last season and the start of this season. We're just going to go through them. The big one, Magnus and Stan have broken up. Like That fail, that feels huge. like a marriage. That is huge. That's ended. I don't know where Stan goes after this. Magnus wanted to spend more time with his family, which obviously that that is probably the right choice for him. But Stanley in the middle of recovering from surgery, man. Like that was a magical partnership. So I don't know where he goes from here. Joanna Conta has hired Michael Joyce, who is famous for that David Foster Wallace piece and is also famous for coaching both Sharapova and Azarenka. Uh, What's worrying is that Azarenka lost both Michael Joyce and her fitness coach this year toward the end of, uh, well, toward the end of 2017. Uh, But Facet has joined Kerber, which I think should give you a little encouragement because you're hoping to see Angelique Kerber 
kind of get it together this year. Mm. I th- Vim Facet made his name on Kim Kleisters, right? One of the great comebacks in WTA history. So Kerber has parted with Torben Belts, who she's been with for a long time. Belts goes to Donna Vekic, which I think is a big investment in the the potential of Donna Vekic, who, who really had one of the great matches of 2017 against Conta and Wimbledon. She was one of my candidates for breakout mm. player this year, too. Pliskova is working with Tomas Krupa, who she supposedly poached from Barbara Streetsova. I guess those two are not friends anymore, unless they made up in private. Streetsova posted publicly that she was beefing with Karolina. Milos Raonic has split with uh, Ricardo Piatti and has appointed Javier Piles in October to to join his really his coterie of coaches. <laughs> he's he's worked with everybody and he has a, a really impressive entourage surrounding him. Djokovic obviously has added Stepanek, is still working with Agassi, is like a super coach Hall of Fame going on. And Kiki Mladenovic, shall before, we? Before we get to her. Okay, it's going to take There's the, the Robbie Poole situation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead so, now. Go ahead now. So Robbie Poole is no longer working with Serena Williams. He was her hitting partner. He is now working with Eugenie Bouchard of Montreal. Uh, Serena has hired Jeremiah Jenkins. Now, Robbie Poole, our friend Chad, exposed him. Post- he didn't mean it, but he posted all these photos of Robbie posing up with, you know, the alt-right of American tennis. Isner, the Harrisons. I actually don't know about the younger Harrison. What? The, I mean. the supremacy of men's. Wow. American men's Ooh. tennis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Word association. Yeah. I see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> some of the army identified Robbie as sunken, which if you've seen Get Out, you know all of the symbolic importance of that term. So I'm just going to leave it there because I feel like it would be racist for me to take it any further as a white person. You know, in in tennis, you have to make certain sacrifices if you of if you are of a, a certain woke disposition. Mm. To right. succeed when you are a marginal figure in tennis. True. So there are sacrifices that you may have to make. Heartbreaking decisions. Maybe blind spots. Mm-hmm. But um, to be posting up on Instagram. Like you're at a 4th of July barbecue yeah. with these heifers. Is with like, the Isners and Harrisons of the world. Yeah. Uh. I, I, I shall, I do declare we are not here <laughs> for that. <laughs> Speaking of voting against your best interests. As well as the sunken place. Mm-hmm. Christina Mladenovic has... <laughs> <laughs> you can't even get through it. Like, this shit writes itself. Like, I don't even have to be a hater. Is the sunken place her career right now? Wow. I'm just trying well, to I clarify. Mean, no, I wasn't the one who said sunken place. Oh. I'm saying Mladenovic is working with Janko Tipsarovic, who has said some... Truly heinous things about women's tennis, and we're not even exaggerating. It's like I mean, he is... said that women's tennis players were not smart, 
that they didn't play with any strategy, that they only hit into the open part of the court. Um, that We must have said some real bad shit about Kiki last year, and she must have heard because right. she's trying to fuck up our she lives. Double, I mean, she doubled like, down. She is hitting the exact spots. She's stealing our man. <laughs> Making and, him get a stupid fucking haircut. And then she's going to hire Yanko fucking Tipsarovich, <laughs> who is antithetical to everything we hold dear about I mean, life. You, you probably think we're on the soapbox that we're being, you know, PC, snowflakes, hating on Yanko, but he holds some truly heinous beliefs about women's tennis. Like, he thinks it's trash. Like, it's absolute garbage. And back in the day when he said those things, he said he was holding back because he was friends with Anna Ivanovich and Yelena Yankovic, who mm. are his countrywomen. So can you imagine if he said what he really felt? Like, who needs enemies when you have friends like that? It's always the middling ones, isn't it? Right. The ones well, with he marginal was a, He talent. was a top 10 player. He was? Yeah. Oh. Here's the thing. Like, Yanko was admired in some circles because he had, I don't know, interesting tattoos and because he's read several books and oh he quoted with this fucking and like, because he quoted Schopenhauer this is kind of oh. what is the Serbian version of Hotep it's it's the Gulbis phenomenon it right? is yes. these men who oh my god they read a book right and it's like oh my it's like, god wow, oh my god you are so fascinating I am on fire in my nether regions because you read a book it doesn't matter that you hold the same offensive regressive views about gender and sexuality you think that women's tennis is garbage, that they don't deserve what you have. It, I don't get... Like, Kiki, fine. Just, you do you. I just don't know why you can't keep Dominic out of it. You know, and I'm going to say, you know what? <laughs> Enjoy Dominic. Enjoy him. Get as much of Dominic as sh- you can get. I mean, I sure would. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you managed to get Dominic, like, have a ball or two. <laughs> But the Yanko thing, like, girl, like, this, this is, uh, ugh. It's not cute. Now, are you ready, you, James, and you, the listeners, to maybe, well, for us, it's a, to relive, but maybe for you to hear for the first time, one of the legit funniest things mm-hmm. I have ever heard in <laughs> my life. Je suis prêt. <laughs> Should, should we just play it? Yes. Right now on Pat Rafter Arena, men's singles action. Please welcome from Canada, Dennis Shapovalov. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Pull up. Canada, Dennis Shapovalov. Shapovalov. I mean, I know... <laughs> And Australian TV tried to help him out by saying there, you know, there's still a little bit of conjecture or disagreement about how the name is pronounced, which is simply not true because Dennis has pronounced it for us he several has, but times. But listen, like we had, we we had some like yeah, missteps on our show. They've added that. letters that are not even in the name. No, absolutely, a syllable. We did not shapovalov it, but like <laughs> it's we, like he. Our thing was uh, more like, well, is that really how it's pronounced? We thought like, it must be something else, but you know, mm-hmm. like we, what's the word? Deferred 
to the correct pronunciation. <laughs> right? But this is crazy. This is like, you think it's over and then it's two yeah. more syllables. It's like, have you ever seen the video of that girl at like a graduation ceremony and her ankle starts teetering on those big heels and it's like, oh, oh, she's going to recover. She, nope, nope, nope. And the fall takes like 30 seconds to happen. So what you're saying is like Scarlet takes a tumble. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> you need to Another, YouTube that oh my God. if you haven't. Have we never talked about that I on the show? I don't think we've talked about that Scarlet like takes a tumble. That is like formative for us. I've spent well over an hour watching Scarlet takes a tumble. It, I mean, at the very least. I've rolled on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That was so good. <laughs> poor, it was so good. Poor Dennis. Another thing that we found out this week was that Demir Jumhur, who is a babe and a half. He is. He, and we find this out through a tweet from Anna K underscore forever, a, a, a Kornikova fan, that he once starred in a German-made war drama 10 years ago. <laughs> he was an adorable tween. I haven't double-checked this, but that would mean that he's on IMDb. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I will not attempt to pronounce that. Mer- no. No. And I think that takes us through all the tennis stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to quickly go through a few of the stuff we want us to talk about. And then we're going to end with... Uh, we'll leave you with a moment of zen. Like the <laughs> Daily Show used to do. I... They probably have a trademark, so don't tell anyone we use that. Uh. <laughs> Things we want to talk about. Mariah Carey came back unexpectedly. She tweeted about a week before it was to happen. Take two. You were sitting beside me on the couch, and you made it seem like somebody had died or like some oh my God. really bad news Because she happened. tweeted about it. You were mm-hmm. like beside her. I was like, just fucking spit it out. Like what's? <laughs> and then you tell me, oh my God, oh my God. She came back to do the Ryan Seacrest New Year's Eve show after the absolute fiasco mm-hmm. last year. Her redemption song, if you will. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. She emancipated herself <laughs> from ABC. <laughs> she basically that, she that, showed up listen, listen, and showed out. That works on two levels because we know she already had done been emancipated in 2005. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, really, Mariah emancipated in 1997. In 1989. Uh, 2002, right? 2005. 1990. <laughs> she got out of that Sony deal. Sing Sing, um, when she left Sing right? Sing, the mansion in upstate New York, that was an emancipation. She's been self-emancipated. Did you see her emerge from that pool in the Honey video? Oh, I mean, that is the whole world did. A metamorphosis. Popular culture changed mm-hmm. because of that bathing suit. Seminal R&B album. Absolutely. Butterfly. Look it up. Anyway, so Mariah comes out. <laughs> she she sings Vision of Love first. And she does this thing where she kind of pauses the song to try and hit the audience with like, oh my God, is this a fuck up again? Like She was, she was toying with it. <laughs> she like, was, yeah. And then she's like, oh, gotcha. And she sings the note, whatever. Like, Vision of Love wasn't the best. There were strained moments. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, this was below freezing temperature. There's that. Uh, it was but seriously cool. the tones were there. And then mm-hmm. she went and she sang Hero. And let me tell you, she sang some notes in Hero Live that she had not done 
live in like a decade. Which you would know. I would know. Because you know you know all the shortcuts mm-hmm. and all the different runs that she chooses to avoid the difficult notes. And Lord knows. <laughs> Not only are dreams hard to follow, but that performance was life-affirming and the best way to ring in the new year. It absolutely was. She gave the lambs reason to think there will be tomorrow. <laughs> in I, time, I, we will find a way. I hung onto my phone as long as I could before the spirit took me and I threw it. <laughs> <laughs> Shoe, I mean, shoes were flying toward the TV. Wigs. Hands to the air. Wine glasses were broken. Praising her holiness. And, uh, wow, that was, that was still, I mean, I've, we've used quite a few words to describe. We have. It feels like there are no words to describe. If only we had no words. I do feel more optimistic about the coming year, in large part because of Mariah's redemption mm-hmm. over New Year's. And, and because Andy Cohen... And Anderson Cooper were roundly panned Praises for their be. alpha gay, trash, pantomime, minstrel show of a CNN New Year's Eve after they both threw away Kathy Griffin. Mm-hmm. Andy pretended that he didn't even know her because, I mean, you know, it was just to get her job on CNN. He knew he was next in line. But guess what? The whole world got to realize Andy Cohen has no charisma, no talent, etc. He has a lot of nerve. He sure do. Because that bitch tried mm-hmm. it. But he was out here trying to advertise for the Real Housewives. And, you know, people just weren't here for it. So Nicole Kidman clapped back. Nicole Kidman? Yeah, they had an awkward interview. What? He asked her about her, like, clapping thing that became a meme. Uh-huh. And she was not having it. Oh, a Jane mm-hmm. Fonda moment? Yeah. Oh, my God. Megan Kelly, you mean? Yeah. Mm, that, was, that was one of the highlights of 2017. <sighs> Lord. For real. As if it didn't suck for Megan. <laughs> as if Megan <laughs> Kelly's show didn't suck enough already. Then Hanoi Jane comes on your show and just trashes you. <laughs> creates her a meme for herself. Are we really going to go there? I think is what she said. <laughs> She's like, I won two motherfucking Oscars. She didn't say that, but it was implied. Listen, Andy Cohen is motherfucking trash. (laughs) As Sheree Whitfield would say. (laughs) I'm called Pookie and him to come kick your ass. I got people in Ohio. (laughs) I'm from Cleveland. Uh, That people would conceive the straight brethren and sistren of the world would Mm -hmm. conceive of Andy Cohen as somehow some representation of a gayness. Right? Mm -hmm. As some kind of father figure to us young children. Mm -hmm. It's it's actually soul-crushing. Like, Andy Cohen is... A vile human being. Vile. Vile. Mm -hmm. I wish people could see your hand motions right now. And you know, you are the company you keep. So whatever excuses we may have been tempted to make for the Vanderbilt, Mm -hmm. they no longer are on the table. 
especially after you discarded your friend. Your supposed friend. Who was your better half and the only reason to watch that fucking show. Because you're giggling your... <laughs> like, that was not a reason to watch the show. And, like, how dare you make us watch Jenny McCarthy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Don Lemon is out here on CNN kissing his man on New Year's Eve, yeah. acting a drunk mess, and good for him. I still believe that maybe some of his wokeness is a bit calculated his right commercial. now in this yeah. uh, Trump era, but I've scarcely seen somebody reimagine themselves mm. as quickly as Don Lemon has. Yeah, we should because talk about he that was, in another episode. He was, for show sure, your epitome of what some would deem Uncle Tom. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. In keeping with the New Year's Eve theme, I just wanted to, I don't know, maybe get a, a little personal and talk about any resolutions we might have. I know we're very anti-prediction Ooh, or anti-resolution. Stop, stop, stop. We, we did not even get to the best part of the Mariah thing. What? Found my tea. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Like, so after Vision of Love, Mariah is all... Uh, uh, can I just, do you mind if I have a sip of tea? Where's my tea? Where's my hot tea? And she's like, when she realized there's no hot tea, she's like, oh, I guess this is just going to be a disaster. I'll just be like one of you plebiscites who don't right. got no hot tea. One of you regular poor people who doesn't have tea at the ready. And so later that night, she tweets in what would become the first meme of, or as Bryce Harper would say, meme. Bryce Harper. <laughs> What? Bryce Harper said that? Bryce Harper said that, yes. Mm. Is he still hot? No. Really? No. That's a shame. He looks like a lumberjack living in the wilderness. Mm. Too bad. Uh, She tweeted, found my tea, and she's sipping from a saucer. A (laughs) saucer? That's my Long Island right there. A (laughs) demitasse. And she's giving you the profile, the side of the face that she prefers. Right. And it's like, found my tea. Like, you you did that, Mariah Carey. She did that, and she donated the name of our episode. Yeah. Found Our Tea. We did. Because in 2018... 2018. Wow. 2018, I feel like I've been moving toward this, toward the end of last year. I just don't really... Give a fuck. Give any fucks. I'm... I want to know how many I'm fucks negative. did you had to give last year? Then? I had like two. If you no longer have fucks to I give, I had like two point three. Regarding politics, culture, tennis, everything, like I've run out of fucks. I have had it. I'm just. I'm done with censoring myself. I'm old as fuck. I'm thirty-two years old. Mm. I'm just done. Like I'm done. I'm done. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend anymore. So thank you, Mariah, for for empowering me in that way. <laughs> and I think that brings us to our New Year's resolutions. Which now, is to what? To laugh at our spouses? <laughs> <laughs> but you make it so easy. But we are a generally a very anti-prediction show. Uh, you and I are very anti-resolution because they never work. No. But I, I don't know if it's a resolution, but it's sort of um, a hope. Or a challenge for myself for the next year. I, that's kind of rebranding. I I am an extremely judgmental person, mm. and I was listening to music that I love the other day, and I was thinking, you know, I should really be less judgmental about what other people like. 
I disagree. In the future. <laughs> <laughs> no, but unless it's extremely problematic. Okay. Right? Yeah. I watched Charm School. And it's not putting down our faves. Right. Because I'm still bitter about some of these heifers up here <laughs> saying that Mariah did okay. a terrible job on New Year's But Eve. if people like things in good faith because it makes them happy, I have to stop judging you for that. I really do because I watch trash. You certainly I watch, do. I watch Charm School. Mm-hmm. I'm re-watching... Well, I've never watched Top Chef before, but I love it. But that's not trash. I don't trash. think it's trash. It's not, not trash. trash. But... If you like something and it's not hurting anyone, I'm with you. And I wasn't always like that. I was a real rude bitch. Well, we have to see if this actually takes hold <laughs> in 2018. Right. We will report back. I, I'm i feeling like... Do you remember Issa Rae in the first scene of Insecure Season 2? Her date... So it was like a series of dates, blind dates. And her Tinder date says, Oh, you work with kids. What's that like? And she's like, Fuck them. But I'm trash too. <laughs> and that's honestly, that is where I'm at in 2018. <laughs> Fuck them, but I'm trash too. <laughs> and that's freeing for me. My resolution, if I had one, was to treat myself better in 2018. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to treat myself. Whenever I can, I'm going to try and experience new experiences, yeah. do different things. And uh, not worry as much about the future. You know, like, we could all be dead in two years. This is true. The world could be blown up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Quite literally. Age doesn't matter. You can die at any time. You certainly can. (laughs) And which is why you need to get that life insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to us. Um, yeah, that that's it for me. I'm gonna, if you happen to be around and it's not too expensive, maybe I'll treat you as well while I'm Who, treating me? myself. Yeah, <laughs> maybe some of those things uh, are like a, a duo experience. So, we welcome you to the fourth season of The Body Serve. Thank you because many of you have stuck with us for the first three seasons and you're still here. Welcome to any new listeners and uh. Before we leave you with our moment of zen, please check us out on Twitter at the Body Surf. Individually, am, individually, I'm James at Elliot JMR. I'm Jonathan at tennis underscore John. And you can also find us on Instagram. Uh, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes as well. It helps people find us. We may be releasing another video on Instagram soon. We haven't done one in really? a while. Yeah. I know you hate those, but you know. I, yeah, I do. Let's, let's, let's do that again. And we got to do our TBS diary again. We haven't done that in a while. Right. All right. So here is our January 2018 moment of Zen. Ha <laughs> <laughs>